BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 135 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Not guilty doesn't mean innocent. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. Yeah, I know how it feels. I know that many of you right now are reeling over that Rittenhouse verdict. Uh, I get it. Uh, It is extremely disappointing, Um, particularly to be concerned about you know, what does this mean for the future? Like, are other people going to run into this kind of similar situation? Other 17-year-old boys who have virtually no experience in that kind of crowd or uh, heated environment running into the crowd with an AK-47, and are we going to see more people die? Um, I'm Chris Hahn. This is the Aggressive Progressive. Happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, I, I don't know, I'm going to start off on a downer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's all anybody wanted to talk to me yesterday when I was on WABC, uh, in New York. Um, you know, I tried to talk about build back better and, you know, people just wanted to talk about this. It's a, um, it's on everybody's mind. Uh, look, uh, I think people had pre-existing uh, determinations of what this trial was going to be. Now I watched it intently and I will say that the prosecution failed to meet their threshold. And let me be clear. I want to be consistent. First of all, yeah, I do think Kyle Rittenhouse was guilty of, at the very least, reckless use of a firearm. Whether or not it was first degree murder or felony murder, you know, I don't know what they call it in Wisconsin. Uh, that remains to be seen, or you know, I guess wasn't seen. Clearly, wasn't proven. But the burden of proof in these trials is always on the prosecution. And I, you know, I took a lot of flack from a lot of my progressive friends over the last couple of weeks who have been, you know, complaining about the judge, always ruling in favor of the defendant, um, complaining about how he was a little too chummy. And yeah, I think it was a bad look. The judge allowing Kyle Rittenhouse to pull the names out for the jurors. I, I, I you know. This might be how he does it in all of his jury trials, but the spotlight was on him, and maybe he should have taken a back seat to it. I, I saw a lot of Lance Ito in this guy. I half expected him to pull out his clock collection and tell us all about how his he collected clocks. But that said, 
you know, as progressives, we should always want the jury system. We should always want the judge when there's a toss up on a decision to err on the side of the defendant. I believe, and, and I grew up believing, that we have a system that protects the rights of the accused. That it was better for 100 guilty people to go free than for one innocent person to go to jail. And and I think there are far too many innocent people in jail. And yes, Kyle Rittenhouse had a multi-million dollar defense team. They did two mock trials, one where he took the stand, one where he didn't. They decided to put him on the stand. And I think it was a good decision to put him on the stand. Um, And yeah, I want everybody in America to have the same resources when they are put on trial. Because I think, quite frankly, the adversarial system is important. And I think that the adversaries need to be equally equipped on both sides. Far too often, the prosecution has the upper hand in every single case. Far too often, we are complaining about how the judge was too chummy with the prosecution. So here we have a situation where the judge wasn't chummy to the prosecution, where the judge held the prosecutor's feet to the fire. And the prosecution failed to meet their burden. And I'm not happy about it, frankly. I'm not happy about it. I do think Kyle Rittenhouse should be in jail right now. I think that it sends the wrong message to other teens and other you know, people who feel that uh, African-Americans and other progressives marching in the, in the streets for a cause is something that should be treated as a violent attack in this country. I think it puts us one step closer to having a major incident. And I fear that. But again, if we're looking at this through the lens of our justice system. What happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin is what every person accused of a crime, particularly those who were accused wrongly because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time and they are accused because of the color of their skin. I mean, I've studied far too many death penalty cases. Far too many... People have been pardoned late in life because new evidence comes to light, shows they weren't there. If they would have had the opportunity to have the legal defense funded by ridiculous conservatives for Kyle Rittenhouse, they would be free. They would not be facing these kinds of incidents. Now, let me be clear. The Ricky Schroeders of the world, the MyPillow guys of the world, the other right-wing nuts who are making this Kyle Rittenhouse into this cause celeb, uh, that's ridiculous and dangerous. And it is something that should not be tolerated by anyone. I I don't understand Tucker Carlson's obsession with burning this country to the ground. But that appears to be what he's starting to do. He is attempting to burn this country to the ground. And the Mike Lindell's funding, I mean, this kid couldn't afford the multi-million dollar defense he had. All this was paid for for him by people who want to use him. And it's disgusting, frankly. He shouldn't be a martyr. And he's not going to be a martyr. He didn't go to jail. He shouldn't be a symbol, which now they're going to try to hold him up as. And And I hope this kid sees straight And he just says, enough with this. I'm going to just, you know, put my head in a book, go study, change my name, and be done with this. Uh, I hope he doesn't allow himself, but I'm afraid he will allow himself to be used by these right-wing fanatics 
the Mike Lindells, the Ricky Schroeders, the Tucker Carlsons of the world. I know he's doing, uh, you know, as I do this podcast right now, I, I, you know, I always pre-record on Monday night. It's a podcast. It doesn't come out live. I know some of you are listening to it. It's not live. Uh, Tucker Carlson is airing an interview at eight o'clock tonight uh, with Rittenhouse. I'm not going to watch it because I don't watch Tucker Carlson anymore. Um, but be interesting to see what comes out of that. I, I, I look, I, I know we're all upset about it and we should be, but this is the jury system. This is what our justice system is supposed to look like. The burden of proof is on the prosecution and far too many people in this country go to jail because they don't have, they're not afforded the defense that Kyle Rittenhouse had. And I'm not going to begrudge Kyle Rittenhouse for taking the aid that was given to him. I am going to begrudge the system for not allowing that kind of defense to be put up for everyone who's put on trial. I think our country would benefit from it. I think there'd be far fewer people in jail because of it. There'd be many, you know, a multiplier by a thousand people in jail, less people in jail who shouldn't be in jail. And believe me, there are a lot of people who shouldn't be in jail. And, and I'm amazed how quickly this trial came. I mean, I, you know, I, I was reading a story about a guy in Philadelphia who was in jail for uh, two years awaiting trial for stealing peppermint patties. Yeah, that's right. York peppermint patties. I, 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 you know, I kid you not. Kyle Rittenhouse was free the entire time. And I know now we're all holding our breath uh, on the Ahmad Arbery case. Uh, the three white supremacists, if you ask me, who chased him down because he was jogging through their neighborhood and killed him, who are now claiming they were trying to make a citizen's arrest, something they never mentioned until about a week ago. I believe the father and the son are going to jail for murder. I don't know that the guy who chased him with the video camera is going to jail. He might, but he won't get, he won't get convicted of murder or felony murder or accessory. He won't, he won't get any of that. Uh, it's too far-fetched, and you know, one of the defense attorneys, a woman, I, I won't say her name, in her summation, if you haven't seen it by now, I don't want to tell you to do it, but it was disgusting, racist propaganda. Talking about how Aubrey was wearing khaki shorts and no socks to cover his long dirty toenails. That's what she said. I'm not I, I when I saw that, I almost threw up. And I'm a believer in you know, defense attorneys should make a case to try to free, you know, they should use any argument they can to free their argument, but that would free their client. But that was racism. In New York State, she would have been held in contempt of court for that. Uh I, I don't know why in Georgia she's not. Well, I do know why. But it was racism. You're speaking to a jury of 12 people, 11 of them white, one person of color. And you are not even speaking in a loose code. You are speaking direct racism to them. But I don't think it's going to work. I think these guys are going to jail. I'm sorry if they don't go to jail. We should have we should all have a problem for it. This is not a case where you know, they can claim self-defense. They were the agitators. They're the ones who initiated the confrontation. You can't then claim self-defense. 
And I get it. You know, we talk about Kyle Rittenhouse and he claimed self-defense, but it was a little less clear. Again, room for doubt. I don't believe there's room for doubt here. These guys pursued Ahmad Armory. They pursued him. They chased him down and they killed him. It's disgusting what they did. And it was disgusting what that attorney said. She should be disbarred for it. I wish I was a member of the Georgia Bar. I would file a complaint right now. It's it's horrible. All right, I, I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to talk to Grant Stern. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with Ron DeSantis down in Florida. Uh, craziness. And then I'll come back after the interview. I'll talk a little about these subpoenas that were issued to... Uh, to Roger Stone and Alex Jones and a few other people who nobody cares about. One of them is named Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I hope uh, they're not talking about movie stars now for Lawrence, who is fantastic. Uh, I'm sure they're not. All right, stick around. You're going to love this interview with Grant. Grant Stern is joining me now. Grant, of course, he is you know the head of Occupy. I don't know what we call you, the, the executive editor of Occupy Democrats. He's involved in a million different things, and he has really taken this pandemic de- uh, beard thing to a whole nother level. I've been saying to him that he should, you know, it's not white enough. It's got a little gray specks in it, but I think he should dye it white and do some Santa Clausing, make a couple extra bucks because he's almost like a real beard Santa. And I hear those guys go for top dollar, Grant. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, actually, I-, I heard that we are part of the centerpiece of the Trump administration's vaccine plan. But that didn't pan out, did it? <laughs> you were, yeah, he was gonna get the he was gonna get the Santa Clauses to spike everybody. It would have been great. <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. Wait, guys, the Wall Street Journal did report this. They were gonna spend a quarter billion dollars on mall Santas as as part of the uh, the vaccine the distribution program under Trump. You, you can't make this. Crazy. I, I I I'm like, this is the first I'm hearing it. I I've never heard. Yeah, that. yeah. That is real. Michael Arcaputo was planning that at HHS and he got caught. Oh my God. Michael Arcaputo is such a jerk. I I remember debating (laughs) him like when he was an idiot and he never stopped being an idiot. I mean, like before Trump, he's just a wow. 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 They were going to spend $500 million on mall Santas to vaccinate. 250 million, 250 million. But you see, I brought you a gift. You didn't know that one. Well, like all good Santa Clauses, you've brought me a gift. I really feel like I've been good this year. So uh, I appreciate it very much. I really do. So Grant, um, I, I always got to have you on to talk about Florida man. Uh, and, and I am on Florida Man Radio. Actually, that's the name of the stations I'm on down there. The format they use is called Florida Man. Uh, I, I, I got to talk to you about Ron DeSantis because this man, I feel, is putting the health of his constituents at risk for, you know, pure partisan politics. And I know you spend a lot of time covering this guy. So why don't you tell me, tell me what's up? Well, this is a lot more than a feeling. Um, Ron DeSantis called a special session of the legislature to pass a bill petitioning the federal government to depart from OSHA, the Occupational Standards and Health Administration. OSHA yeah. regulates every job, every occupation, and ensures worker safety. Um, I mean, this just hasn't happened in the last 50 years. 
uh, you know, I, I tweeted about it, and I was just like, what's next? Child labor coming back in Florida? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. He's like, why should we let the kids not have the right to earn a living in America? <laughs> the kids should have a choice. Right, right. Give the kids a choice if they want to work picking oranges. Yeah, I, I, yeah pretty I, much. I, it's, I, it's insane. It is. It, he's an insane guy. He's even starting to modeling his speaking style after the former guy. And... um. I don't understand. I mean, why does Florida keep electing these people? I, where do they? Well, okay, let's start with the the inobvious part of this. Okay, you're talking about a governor who won by like forty thousand votes in a state with nineteen million people. Yeah, there were nine million ballots cast, and he won by like less than half a percent. Yeah, he governs as if he won by like a million votes, right? Right. Uh, and, and that's like what the most upsetting thing is for us who live here who didn't vote for him, which is that, you know, between the the Florida legislature has always been gerrymandered to heck. Yeah. And it's to the point where like, OK, so they ungerrymandered the Florida legislature somewhat. But after like 20 years of gerrymandering, the uh, a fair election doesn't really exist. I mean, mm. let's be real here. The power of incumbency is tremendous. And. You know, we're not going to have a fairly elected legislature in Florida until 2040, if that. Wow. You know, like it's just between the power of incumbency and how they they just ran over the political maps here and turned them into uh, situations where the voters were being chosen by the politicians. It just it doesn't get undone overnight. Yeah. I mean, it literally took uh, uh, six years to get even remotely fair maps in Florida. So. So there is there is a pretty hot primary, I guess, going on right now between Nikki Freed and Charlie Crist to take on DeSantis next year. It looks like there's a primary going to happen. Um, I'll tell you, I know I, I uh, I'm intimately familiar with all of them. I actually just interviewed Charlie Crist uh, last week. Um, you know, at, at uh, his press conference down here in Miami, where he in- uh, announced a bunch of endorsements yep, from yep. local uh, politicians. I read your uh, column, mayor. by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot going on there. So, um, so yeah, you know, that was last week, and then of course I've, I've, you know, I've, I was the first person to interview Nikki Freed for her gubernatorial run back in 2018 before she ran for agriculture commissioner. She right. Was like, well, I'm thinking about running for governor. I'm like, well, let's see how this goes. And I was actually very surprised back in 2018. I mean, I figured she'd be extremely conversant in the issues, but she was really on top of everything, and I tried to hit her with a lot of fairly tough questions about state issues and she was right on top of it then and you know she she went on to win a statewide election the first democrat to do that since 2012 yeah and the only democrat to do that since 2012 um and and the the other one was bill nelson who lost in 2018 yep so you know she's an incredibly strong candidate and then annette tadeo uh she ran for lieutenant governor with uh, charlie chris back in 2014 and she's a state senator, um, you know, who won a special election to flip a seat that was held by a Republican uh, in 2017. And um, she's just, you know, an amazing speaker. And of the three candidates, she is by far the most bilingual. She's Colombian. Um, you know, they're all really strong candidates and they're all people of, of great moral character. So whoever the Democrats choose is going to be a really great pick. Unlike the last primary where there was some real minefields, uh, you know, there was a can the best, 
one of the best financed candidates in the race. Uh, it, you know, Gwen Graham it turned out he had. Well, Gwen Graham was you know one of the better candidates, um, but one of them, uh, the former mayor of Miami Beach, Philip Levine, uh, that guy got sanctioned by the Attorney General of Alaska because his business was violating their Deceptive and Unfair Trade Practices Act. Wow. Okay, and this is the kind of thing that, um, you know, the Herald admittedly dropped the ball on it. The Miami Herald did not report that when he was running for mayor of Miami Beach. And boy, that would have changed people's perspective, don't you think? Yeah, you think, you think, you think. Wow, amazing. Yeah, so this is a a much better field um, overall because, you know, there's none of these weak links with tremendous, tremendous financing. And, um, you know, whoever Democrats choose is really going to, uh, you know, got a strong, sh- uh, strong shot. Well, they got to do a better job. They got to do a better job of communicating to, you know, people whose Spanish is their primary language in Florida. Um, I, I think uh, Joe Biden dropped the ball dramatically on that in 20, uh, 2020. The, the Biden yeah, campaign. saying down here for that. OK, in, in Miami, they say no hold us. What's that? Oh, you'll have to look it up. <laughs> okay. Is it something you can't say over the public airwaves? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the problem, right? And I, I think, uh, you know, nominating uh, a Latina would be a very good idea uh, for the, for the Florida Democrats. I just think it would be a very good idea for them to, you know, put somebody out there who is, uh, uh, you know, who speaks Spanish, who is, who, who, who could communicate with that audience and have that person at the top of the ticket and bring those votes back to the D side, because quite frankly, they've been running away from Democrats in Florida, in my opinion. Well, if I could, I would send all three of them at DeSantis at the same time, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's, it's not just about having someone that's, Spanish speaking, but it's about organization building. And that's what we're really struggling with here in Florida. The Florida Democratic Party uh, has taken just enormous steps back uh, under the leadership of uh, Spanish speaking former Miami mayor, um, who became the chairman of the Florida Democratic Party at the beginning of the year. And so it's a really big matter of concern that, you know, Democrats are falling behind in the registration rates, the, the voter registration race. And that's what these three primary candidates are going to have to actually work the hardest at, you know? Yeah. I was speaking with somebody else who was considering a run for, a, not for governor, but for a statewide office. And I told them, like, you know, I know it sounds kind of crazy, but your entire campaign is really just going to be one long voter registration drive. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And if it's that... not, then you're not going to win. And there aren't a lot of outside groups doing that down in Florida. Grant, let's let's dive a little deeper into your, you know, DeSantis story and just kind of walk my audience through it for us. So I have a, a newsletter, which is the Stern Facts newsletter that they can find at Grant Stern, my name, dot substack dot com. Right. Grant Stern dot substack dot com. And I recently published a story about the DeSantis administration because they are using law enforcement to generate criminal intelligence bulletins about their political adversaries. Yeah. He's basically a, a stuff. DeSantis is basically, if you took Richard Nixon and Donald Trump and melded them together, if they had an evil spawn, it's Ron DeSantis. I think that's a good analogy. And I'll tell you why, because Richard Nixon actually did accomplish things. He knew how to use the levers of government, and so does DeSantis. Yep. And that's what makes him a more uh, effective 
or dangerous politician, depending on your point of view about what he is doing. And in this case, uh, the, I, I, because I was watching what was happening in the news, um, I saw something and I, I pursued it. A member of the Democratic National Committee, a young man named Tomas Kennedy, was arrested at the Port of Miami for trying to attend a public meeting between Ron DeSantis and the Attorney General. Now, in Florida, we have an expansive open records and open meetings law. Yep. It's called the Sunshine Law, and it's part of our state's constitution. Yep. Well, it demands that all meetings must be open to the public, all public meetings. Any meeting of two members of a collegial board or body, and that includes the executive branch, which in Florida has an unusual thing. It's called the the Florida cabinet. The cabinet is actually a series of elected officials, statewide elected officials, including Nikki Fried, I mentioned Nikki Fried, who make collective decisions about certain things. And collectively, those, uh, those elected officials oversee the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, which is a cabinet agency. And so, um, you know, this was a public meeting. I mean, you had two officers that could make certainly decisions and uh, about, you know, what's going to happen in Florida in the future. They were there to talk about the lawsuit against the, the federal government over the cruises, over the CDC lawsuit, which they lost. And they accosted uh, Tomas in the parking lot. They arrested him. They gave him a trespass warning and told, told him to go. And I immediately realized this is not normal. Yeah. They said to him that they had his license plate, his photo. They knew what car he was driving. Mm. So I asked for the records and they took weeks, an incredible delay here. Just over, if it's more than a couple of days, you can really, you know, you can say that, that they've not responded, but they took like two and a half weeks just to give a basic response. And they gave me a a police report that said, called him a quote, known agitator. And, and they said FDLE gave them some, some stuff to, to hunt him down. So, of course, I was, like, asking for that stuff, at, as well as the police report. They didn't give it to me. My lawyers filed suit. That was suit number one. Now, it took nine lawsuits to get this document, ultimately. Amazing. Okay. And, you know, the, the Miami-Dade Police Department, a county police agency, one of the biggest in the, the southeast, if not in this, you know, I mean, it's, it's a huge agency, right? Um, we got our police report from them. Uh, you know, then we sued to get the rest. They gave us the body camera footage and then they gave us two emails and one of them they gave to us in word document format. And we're like, you gotta be kidding me. This Mm. just doesn't happen. Right. And that particular email would have had, uh, an attachment probably. And they gave us one page of this enemies list. Hmm. And we're thinking, this is nuts. The police are literally forging a document in a court case for us. Amazing. To hide this to hide pages two, three, and four of this document. It must be really, really bad. And the first page was horrifyingly bad. Okay? The first page is a picture of Tomas Kennedy. It's dated July of last year. And it says that he is not, he has no known history of violence, but he has a history of planning protests and then posting about them later on social media. Wow. So I guess they don't believe in the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. Oh, they say they believe in it more than anyone else. Well, they don't. But the- they clearly don't. I mean, he has a history of organizing protests. He's not a violent guy, but he has a history of organizing protests. <laughs> right. So Peacefully assembling, as it's called on the Constitution. That is correct. And, and the first page makes it absolutely abundantly clear that but for his speech and conduct as a 
citizen to either criticizing the government or protesting because the 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 incident that caused him to get into their attention was that he went to Jackson Memorial Hospital, a public facility where Ron DeSantis was giving a press conference during the summer of 2020, which was the height of the COVID surge, if you'll recall, where it was very difficult to get anywhere near a public official. There's no public meetings. There's no forums to express anything. And he said that Ron DeSantis was incompetent and should resign for his mishandling of the coronavirus pandemic. Which is a perfectly legitimate thing to say. It is. So, By the way, it is your absolute, it is the highest form of protected speech, political speech. Political speech, criticizing the government, absolutely. Yep. So, so you know, that's that's what goes down. And, you know, they make this dossier, and it turns out that they've been passing it around all over the place. Anytime the governor shows up in Miami, they're sending it off to local authorities. And... You know, this time he happened to go out. Kind of like a be on the lookout for these people who might say something that the governor doesn't want to hear. For your listeners out there, the form itself has a bunch of check boxes, and one of them is BOLO. I mean, it it literally is the same form as a BOLO doc. Wow. Wow. Okay? Wow. So, so when the police are. BOLO meaning be on the lookout for. Right. So the police forged an email to me to avoid handing me pages two, three, and four. I'm thinking. This must be horrifically bad, right? So, I mean, at that point, I went to FDLE directly and asked them for the record by email. I emailed their media uh, email. Well, a week later, after I made the request to FDLE, DeSantis showed up at a, to give a, a, an event, uh, like a bill signing or something, or some sort of policy event, on a National Guard base about a mile from my home. Right. And so I went out there and I asked for permission to enter and stayed on the sidewalk. They tried to bully me off the sidewalk. They brought the police. The National Guard tried to bully me. Then when I wouldn't leave, they brought the police. Then the police bully, you know, tried to bully me off the sidewalk. And they sh- I spotted the, the two guys, the, the guardsmen, holding a copy of the, the enemies list. <laughs> and you're on it. I'm like, I'm re- this is what I came here for. Like, I can't believe it. Here's this document that FDLE won't give me, that the Miami-Dade police won't give me. And you're me. on their list. It's, uh, it, right now, do they well, have I mean, a picture of you with the beard and without the beard? Should you shave? Uh, that's a great question, man. I, I haven't gotten that far into the uh, under the redactions yet. I mean, maybe but, maybe just shave it into a goatee, and then they won't know it's you. You go out there, you're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd rather they know it's me. I really would. I'd rather they know it's me because I don't yeah. Know but then you could like mistake. put on a fake beard and go aha. Yeah, yeah but great. I don't want them to mistake somebody else for me, okay? <laughs> That's like, true. You're going to come for me, just come for me. Come for me, baby. I hear you. Spotting me in a crowd. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of it. It's This is very serious stuff, but of course, this is a radio show. I got I to try to It is it. a radio <laughs> so. so, So here's the thing, right? So the Miami cop, they show the, the clipboard to the Miami cop, and as soon as they did that, I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to get a copy of this. And he takes one look at it, and he looks at me, and he goes, whoa. <laughs> and he says it so loud. I could the camera picked it up from twenty feet away. A cell wow. camera from twenty feet wow. away through a mask. Wow! So then he calls for backup right away. He called for backup and for you. How many police officers do you think he needed for backup for me? None. He didn't military. need any backup for yeah. you. You're a peaceful guy. You're not gonna you're not gonna hurt anybody. All right, this is pretty serious stuff, America. You got to listen to what Grant is saying. This is what Ron DeSantis wants to bring to the entire country. The Abuse of power we are hearing here, putting together an enemies list, handing it off to local law enforcement to keep 
you know, people just disagree. I mean, you're not a you're not a bad guy. You're not a violent guy. You're not a disruptive guy. You are an inquisitive reporter. Uh, it, it, it amazes yeah, yeah. Me. it amazes me. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, it took getting body camera footage, and there's still lots of ongoing lawsuits over all this stuff to get more access. But it took body camera footage to find out that these police officers were d- discussing whether they should arrest Thomas Kennedy and myself. Ugh for asking to go to the press conference. Right. But that's when they let slip that I was on Ron DeSantis's enemies list because they called me a, quote, known associate, right? A known associate of what? Of Tomas. And you see, there's a, this is not some <laughs> accidental, uh, you know, this is not some accidental nickname they gave me here. Um, when we got the enemies list, like, l- let me just put it to you this way also. Uh, before this incident at the National Guard Armory, one lawsuit filed. That day I filed lawsuit number two. Okay? I made two more public records requests. That led to lawsuit number three because Miami, the Miami Police Department refused to give me the documents that they were viewing that day, and they redacted their body camera footage without telling us, legally required and not telling us, uh, you know, why they redacted everything. Mm. Like, they're like, oh, you can't see this list. We don't even know why. We won't tell you. Wow. At that point, we're like frantic. We're like, holy cow, you know, and we also incidentally DeSantis had gone to FIU. Uh, You know, we got a tip that they had sent them the list. We asked them for it. They refused to give it to us. We sued them. There's four. And then FDLE, five more lawsuits because I had five requests. They completely ignored. Unbelievable. He really is a little tyrant. It's crazy, right? And so the thing is, is that we're thinking, well, FDLE is going to give us everything once we do this. No, they made us wait two more weeks after wow. the filed suit. Wow. And then finally, after they saw that a judge was going to start hearing these cases, then they started giving us some stuff, and they gave me the four-page document with tons of black boxes on it. But on the top of page three, it says, Associates. Wow. And so you put, you know, we put, it's like this murder mystery, but we already know that the killer is standing there with a knife up in the the governor's mansion because when I wrote the first story, they said, we regularly direct local law enforcement to do this kind of thing. What do we expect from a guy who said that university professors can't say anything bad about the governor because they work for the governor? Well, that's exactly right. But this is before he said all that. Right. This is over the summer. So, you know, uh, we we filed suit. We got those records, right? We find out that we're on the enemies list. That I, you know, I find out I'm on the enemies list between you know putting the pieces together, and then in August I went to a press conference where DeSantis sent it out to his list, and it was a press conference with, uh, you know, like a delegation of the House Republican Caucus, including the House Minority Leader right. Kevin McCarthy, uh, you know, three uh, members of the the Miami Caucus, uh, the Miami members, which is Mario Diaz Balart and. Uh, Mayor, former Mayor Carlos Jimenez and uh, Maria Elvira Salazar. And it was all about Cuba. It was at the Brigade 50 at 2506 Museum in Hialeah Gardens. Right. And it was unusual because it didn't say RSVP here or anything. It just said, this is a press conference. The governor will be here. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out there and see what's up. I called my lawyer while I was on the way, let him know, hey, I'm going out there. And I, I recorded myself going in. And I recorded myself telling them at the front desk, I'm Grant Stern. I'm with Occupy Democrats. They asked me how I spell my name. I'm like, somebody should, you know, you guys should be able to figure that out. Yeah, pretty easy. Grant and Stern. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So I go in and I'm recording everything on my my surround sound recorder for podcasts and all that and taking some pictures and some videos if I think it's relevant. And after 30 minutes, I get approached by a congressman's aide who says, I want to see your credentials. 
And I, you know, I'm whispering to him, like stage whisper, hi, I'm Grant Stern, we'll talk by Democrats, like I'm verified on Twitter, let me get my phone out and show you, you know, um, who I am. And like, there was no internet in this room. Right. right? And, and he just said, you have to leave. And I said, if you want me to leave, you've got to bring somebody from the museum. Otherwise, you'll be hearing from my attorneys. I mean, in a stage whisper. Right. Right. Like not disturbing the, the, you know, the press conference at all. And as soon as that happened, I wrote a tweet and hit send. And it didn't go out until I walked out of the room later, right? That was 30 minutes into the press conference. Well, at 45 minutes into the press conference, they opened up the, the Florida question. Somebody asked a question about a dispute between McCarthy and the speaker that had been happening earlier that, you know, earlier that week at the end of the summer. Right. And he gave like some talking points answers. And then I said, House Minority Leader, uh, you know, you said that there was a revolution on the island of Cuba in 1960 that ushered in tyranny. And then I started feeling like hands grabbing my butt (laughs) through my my reporter's bag. And I was like, what is going on here? You know, I had seen a cop kind of slide up behind me and I'm like, this is nuts. They pulled you out of there for asking a question. Three of them pulled me out. I didn't even move my leg. I remember this being on television. It was on like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, on MSNBC with Nicole Wallace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big time. I think I'm the one who told you it was on with with her. I think I called you up when I saw it. And so to wrap up the story, you know, and this is something that hasn't been reported yet, and I'm going to put it into a future report, but I'll tell your your listeners on the Florida man exclusively. (laughs) I found out that the Hialeah Gardens Police Department got a visit from FDLE, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, the FBI of Florida, biggest law enforcement agency in Florida, $300 million budget, right? And these guys are wasting their time uh, doing this. They went to the museum the day before the press conference, summoned the Hialeah Gardens police there, and told them that I was a heckler and that I should be removed on site. Here's a picture, and I'm sure it was the DeSantis enemies list. Wow. Even though DeSantis wasn't there, they had primed these police officers wow. to assault me by showing wow. them a polo doctor. Wow. And then this is who they are. went to the police. When somebody else went to the police, they they kicked my butt. This I is, mean, this I've is, been to the orthopedist three times now. Uh, uh, unbelievable. This is who they are. This is the Republican Party does not believe in the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. They only want their own people to vote. Uh, and if we turn over power to these people who won't even condemn one of their own members who, you know, posted a video threatening to kill, not threatening, fantasizing about killing another member. Uh, this is who they are. Uh, and, and it's horrible. And and you know what? It sucks that they're on the lookout for you. But I want to tell my listeners to be on the lookout for Grant Stern. He's at Grant Stern on Twitter. Uh, you definitely want to you definitely want to subscribe to his newsletter, The Stern Facts and Occupy Democrats and everything else that you're doing out there, because Grant's doing some serious work to try to keep this republic a republic if we can keep it. And we can't keep it without guys like Grant Stern. Grant, it is always great having you. Thanks for having me on, Chris. I appreciate it. And everybody go out there, grantstern.substack.com, and you can follow the newsletter. Thanks. Absolutely. All right, Grant. Love you. You're the best. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Grant. Grant is fantastic. Follow him on Twitter. Follow his newsletter. Go to his Substack. He's fantastic. Uh, he's been on the show before. He's been a big help to me, uh, particularly helping me figure out how to do social media. Grant, nobody has been better. Nobody has helped me understand how to tweet uh, more than Grant. He's he's really like a, 
He's like an editor, like a tweet editor. There, there was a time before I would even tweet, uh, you know, back when I was really trying to get this stuff together about a year ago, where I would call Grant before he even sent the tweet and said, hey, what do you think of this? And he'd offer me edits. <laughs> it was great. So Grant's a good guy. Uh, and I really enjoyed him. So I'm going to just spend a minute talking about Roger Stone uh, and Alex Jones and Jennifer Lawrence, not not movie star Jennifer Lawrence, um, being subpoenaed by the January 6th committee today. Um, I, I think that both Alex Jones and Roger Stone will testify. Now, I don't think they'll say anything truthful. I don't think they'll give you any information. I don't even think they'll actually plead the fifth because that's, you know, people don't actually plead the fifth anymore. I guess you, you, you don't have to say it anymore. Some new rule. But these are two clowns who love a circus and they want to turn the January 6th committee into a circus. So they will call the committee and say, I'll testify, but publicly. That's what I think. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll be cowards and they'll hide behind their lawyers and try to claim executive privilege. Now, I don't think there is any grounds for executive privilege for people who do not work for the White House. But surely there are no grounds for executive privilege for like a guy like Alex Jones. Um, you know, I mean, Roger Stone's crazy town too, but at least he kind of used to be a political consultant. Alex Jones is just crazy town all day long. And if Donald Trump wants to claim, exert executive privilege for Alex Jones, well then Donald Trump owns every word out of Alex Jones's mouth. Every single word. Past, present, and future. You take that. You own that, Mr. Former President. Go with that if you want. See where that gets you. There is no reason whatsoever on God's green earth that Alex Jones has any right to claim executive privilege or Donald Trump has any right to claim that his conversations with Alex freaking Jones, a noted conspiracy theorist who has on multiple occasions trying to defend himself in the Newtown case where he basically defamed the victims by stating that they were crisis actors and that it didn't happen. He has stated on multiple occasions that he's just an entertainer. He's just a performer. Okay, try claiming executive privilege for that. You're not going to get you get laughed out of court. I mean, it, it shouldn't even be a case. It should be dismissed summarily. So let's see what happens here. I, I think they're going to go in. I think they're going to be these clowns are going to try to juggle and hopefully they wind up in jail as a result because they're two evil human beings who have profited on chaos and and have hoped for more chaos and have tried to stow more chaos and have tried to destroy this republic and have stolen money from people who don't have a lot of money, who believe in them, who have had the wool pulled over their eyes. It's ridiculous. So that's all I have to say about that. I mean, it just broke a few minutes before I started recording. So, um, you know, I just wanted to mention it because it was it got my attention. But, you know, everybody, Thanksgiving this week, try to not talk about politics with your family. I'm going to do my best not to talk about politics with my family. I'm going to have to be talking about politics for four hours uh, Thursday morning. I'm filling in uh, on the morning show in uh, New York City for WABC Radio. Uh, so I'll definitely be talking politics with, with my co-host Curtis Lewa. Uh, so if you're in New York, uh, and you're up at 6am, 6 6 to 10, 
Uh, I will be on 77 WABC. It's also on their app as well. So check that out. Uh, and I'm doing a new show there every uh, every uh, Sunday now, 3 to 5, uh, with Curtis Lewa. We're talking about all sorts of things. It's a lot of fun. So uh, check it out. And, of course, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. And thank you so much for continuing to support this podcast. Please, if you like it, tell a friend, rate it, review it, subscribe, uh, repost it, comment. Do all you can to tell other people about it. It's the best messaging out there. And now I want to tell you, as I always do, and remind you to seek the truth. Question everyone and everything, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.